Hello and welcome to this week's bonus edition of the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today, we're hosting Alex McEachran, Director of Marketing for Repeat, the buy again button for CPG brands. Everyone wants subscriptions, especially in the CPG space, but not everyone wants to subscribe. According to Alex's numbers, actually only 15% of consumers are actually ever going to subscribe to any service. That's where Repeat comes in. This podcast dives deep into the psychology of reordering, why retention is the new acquisition, and why personalized headless carts are the future of checking out. Hope you like it. On with the show. The future of commerce is like the customer has control. You mentioned iOS 14 at the beginning of this. Like, There's a great example of this. Like, More power is being put into the customer's hands. So instead of trying to battle that, why not just kind of lean into it? And with a repeat cart, you're basically doing that. It's like, hey, we're not just gonna put you on something, send you a product every month or so, and like hope that you never reach out to us. It's, hey, let's engage with you and give you the option to opt into this. And when you do that, you're actually giving yourself an opportunity to help them discover new products. You can start to use that cart to introduce other products as well. Welcome to the D2C Podcast, Alex. Let's start with what you think is the biggest problem in e-commerce today. Yeah, I get asked this question quite a bit, actually, and I think it's changed a bit over the last little while. So my, my answer to that before would have just been retention, but I think that's a little too broad today. So I've started to scope that down, and I would say the number one problem in e-com right now is actually too many one-time purchases. So retention is this broad category kind of after that first purchase. But I think the biggest problem plaguing e-com right now is just even just going from purchase one to purchase two. Yeah, I, I think because you just will constantly have to rebuy that person. And it's also getting harder and harder. And you can't rebuy them in an intelligent way anymore post iOS 14.5. You know, iOS 14.5 after seven days or whatever is like, I have no idea who this person is or what they bought. Uh, and so it becomes essentially important that you that you have their data and that you're remarketing to them with owned means, which is where Repeat comes in. So let's just talk a little bit about Repeat as a tool. Yeah, so Repeat as a tool is, it's designed mostly for CPG companies and it's a way to get people to go to buy again. So we call ourselves the buy again button for CPG. So we do that through SMS, through email, through QR codes, but we're basically making it easy to get your customers to go from that first purchase to making a second one or a third, fourth, fifth. I love it. And like I talk to different people on this podcast all the time in the subscription business and subscription is sort of the the holy grail, I think, for uh, where a lot of CPG brands want to get to, but it isn't always the best fit. And only a certain percentage of people are ever going to subscribe to these kinds of products. Yeah. So subscription is the holy grail. I mean, like if you think about it from the brand's perspective, it is consistent revenue. It's predictable revenue. It's a lot easier. So from a brand's perspective, I want to be moving people to subscription. But if you take your brand hat off for a bit and put your customer hat on, it's what is the benefit of the subscription to me? And I think a lot of brands will say it's convenience. But I think like I did a survey on LinkedIn a few weeks ago asking like how many things are people subscribed to? And 60% of people were saying, hey, I'm not subscribed to anything. And I think it was only like 14% were subscribed to two or more. So I don't think subscription is as common as many of us think when we put our brand hat on. And when we take that, when we take that brand hat off, put the customer hat on, I think you can start to see why. Hey, I, I want this on a predictable schedule, but Hey, maybe my consumption has changed. So, hey, I'm or I have toilet paper on a subscription. Now I'm on the toilet and I'm out. There's one problem. But then you can be on the opposite side as well. It's like I go to grab coffee to put in my my coffee maker. 
and my cupboards are just absolutely overflowing with it. So you can get into like a couple different problems from the customer's perspective on subscription. Can you give me some examples? Like what is the most valuable use case, would you say, uh, like that you see your customers using for repeat? Is it is it simply after the first purchase, making sure that you have an email coming after asking them for an easy rebuy? The main value prop is giving the customer agency to opt into that next order. So if you think about the subscription, it's like, oh, get on this and we're just going to kind of bill you and it's always going to come. And if you think about some of the biggest problems with that, it's like, I need to skip it. I need to do all these other things. So with repeat, we're basically just making it so we're giving the customer agency. Hey, here's a reminder. Do you want to order this again? Yes or no? And just making that simple choice really easy. And once they make that choice, making the buying process easier than, hey, let's send you back to the site. Let's send you back to the product description page and send you kind of through the exact same flow we would give a first time buyer. Because if you think about someone coming back to buy a second time, they probably already know they want the product. They're just looking for streamline. They're not looking for all the bells and whistles of like your your normal marketing efforts through the site. Uh, and with SMS, you're gonna just get those incredible open rates. It's just a really easy fit also just to be sending these kinds of customized links in, in SMS. Absolutely, and it, I mean, you probably had a bunch of people on the podcast already talking about the difference between SMS open rates and email open rates. It's a newer channel. It's one where people are more likely to engage with you. Beyond that, this this sort of simple idea of getting people to reorder, you're also offering customized a customized cart experience. So as you say, if it's a second time purchase, uh, you, you're going into this sort of streamlined cart experience. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So with repeat, we basically have two types of carts. So we have our featured product carts and our regular ones that are kind of learning more about you as you go. So when you talked about that SMS functionality, so when you place an order and you are interacting with our SMS functionality, you snooze it, it's getting a little smarter. It's learning how you want to order and it's going to tailor those to you. And once you click on that link, you're going to get into our basically customized card experience incredibly streamlined. It has everything that you've already bought in the past so that you can quickly add it to your order. If you came in through that SMS, it'll actually already populate what you had bought previously. So all you have to do is click one button to get out of there. And then you also have that you might also like section. So it's a fantastic way to um, put in additional potential like cross-sell, upsell. So like I like to say, it's like someone bought a variety pack. In the bottom, you might have the individual flavors so that they go from that discoverability of the variety pack into the one that they actually love. So it basically just makes it way more streamlined than product description page and go through like every every piece of your normal flow. And it's really, you know, we talk a little bit about headless commerce being a very, uh, you know, it's a very, it's a big buzzword in the space, but specifically these carts are, are kind of a great example of, of headless commerce in action. And you can actually try some of these checkout experiences on your site, right? Correct. If you go to our homepage and scroll to the bottom, you can see some of these featured product carts in action. So if you click on some of those, they're already pre-populated with some products. You can check them out. How has that been from someone trying to market this too? I, you know, we always talk about show, don't tell. And most of marketing is about telling our, my product can do this, my product can do that. But when you can actually just send people to these streamlined cart experiences that they might not have had before, it's going to be easier to getting your message across, I imagine. A hundred percent. It's one of those things where when we talk about it, we might have to be a little bit more verbose about what it is, where if we just send someone to it, there's kind of like that click moment of, ah, I get it. So having it there on the site has definitely been beneficial for us. Even if it's through a conversation like we're having right now, anyone can go to the site and check this out without needing to be like, oh, let's book a full demo and go through the whole thing. Just take a look at one of those cards, see if that would be a better reordering experience for you than what you're offering right now. Just by taking a look at that cart, if it is, then you can talk to us. 
And so we've mentioned SMS, we've mentioned email, but we have not mentioned the stepchild uh, that has been around for decades now and that uh, there hasn't always been the best use for. I think in the pandemic, I guess uh, QR codes are now quite useful for, uh, you know, looking at menus when, you know, you can't touch them or whatever. But QR codes are also a fundamental way that you can reach your consumer with these repeat offers. 100%. I think you're right with the pandemic has made everyone a little bit more comfortable with using a QR code. Like I was, I was over at my mom's recently and she was using one. So I feel like if my mom can use a QR code, we've kind of hit mainstream. But yeah, you can use a QR code, like I said, for one of those featured product cards. So you could have a QR code on the package of a product. They scan that product and it comes into that card experience pre-populated with that exact product that they were looking to reorder. But one thing I like to say with the QR codes is packaging is I'd say like an okay way to do it. I'm seeing some other brands come up with a little bit more creative ways to do it. So one brand we're working with, they've actually put it on a fridge magnet. They sell drinks. So it's like, oh, it comes with that package. You can slap that QR code onto your fridge. And all you need to do is take your phone out, scan that code to reorder. Cause like with the packaging, you're probably just gonna throw it out, right? Exactly. I, I remember in the in the pre-talk where I was chatting about you'd put it at the bottom of a of a cup or at the bottom of a package, but nobody looks at the bottom of the package when they're done it. So it's it maybe a neat idea in principle. But that idea of it being a magnet on your fridge gets you very close to that idea that Amazon, I feel like, was trying to have with their like rebuy reorder buttons. I forget what that was called. I think they're called dash buttons. Dash buttons. Yeah, exactly. Also, this also of course it makes me think of like uh, staples or whatever and the, like the that was easy button as well but it, it really is just trying to create yeah like like we say a streamlined experience for for getting those second third fourth and fifth purchases how like is it something that you find like obviously getting from 1 to 2 is the main goal is it something that you find ha- you know just kind of works in perpetuity and then also are you finding that your brands are leveraging these repeat purchases into subscriptions at certain points Short answer, yes and yes. I'll give a little bit uh, a little bit of a deeper dive on that. So is this something that can be used after that second purchase? Absolutely. Earlier I was saying like, hey, 60% of people say they're not subscribed to anything. So if we go based on that, the majority of people aren't going to opt into your subscription. That doesn't mean they don't want to buy again, right? So if we use something like a repeat cart to move them from purchase one to two, we can then go from three to four, four to five, and so on and so forth without needing them to be on a subscription. And when you talk to customers, one of the biggest reasons for not going on a subscription is that I just, I want to have more control than that. I don't want things to just show up. So by putting it in that repeat card, it's like, hey, are you ready to buy this again? Yes, click and go. And people are a lot more comfortable with that experience. So that you could even use it as a replacement for a subscription as you want, but it also works great alongside a subscription. Because if you talk to people, that sweet spot's usually around like purchase two, three, four is when they're a little bit more comfortable going on a subscription. So if you use an experience like repeat to get them to that point, then you can start to ask for a subscription to get them on that. So we have people using email alongside, like basically using email campaigns once they get to that point. Um, We also have some banners that you can put inside of the cart. So we have some brands that are actually having that subscription opt-in at the top there. And you're also, you know, you're giving them agency, but then you're also in the cart that has their individualized like past purchase history. You're sort of giving them access to their agency as well. Like it seems to just serve that purpose really well. The future of commerce is like the customer has control. And like you, you mentioned iOS 14 at the beginning of this, like there's a great example of this, like more power is being put into the customer's hands. So instead of trying to battle that, why not just kind of lean into it? And with a repeat cart, you're basically doing that. It's like, Hey, we don't, we're not just going to put you on something, send you a product every month or so, and like hope that you 
never reach out to us. It's, hey, let's engage with you and give you the option to opt into this. And when you do that, you're actually giving yourself an opportunity to help them discover new products. Like I said, with the variety pack into different things here, like you can start to use that cart to introduce other products as well. This this fits in well with what Clavio is talking a lot about these days, which is flipping the funnel, uh, retention being the new acquisition. Uh, as acquisition gets more and more challenging, more and more competitive, uh, it just you know it's on you to really figure out ways to to make retention work long term. Hundred percent, and I like to say that retention isn't even a funnel. Like we as marketers like to put everything into a funnel. I look at retention as like just a series of different loops. We're going to have people engaging with our content. We're going to have people who are in that post-purchase. We're going to have this advocacy side of things. And when you have something that's more headless, you're actually able to integrate yourself into these loops a little bit easier rather than like, oh, step one, step two, step three, step four. Because like, if you think about something that you repeat purchased, maybe it was purchase number two, or you're just a fan of that brand. I bet you didn't go, oh, add to discount code, discount code to email opt-in. And then like, oh, they sent me their post-purchase flow and I immediately ordered something else. It doesn't normally happen like that. Repeat has been adopted, I feel like, by a bunch of like D2C darlings. I feel like in LA there, there's a bunch of these really up and coming, New York as well, there's these really up and coming, exciting brands. A lot of them have been on the podcast and a lot of them have kind of mentioned Repeat. Like, are you able to name drop some of the clients that are seeing some some great benefit from the product? I don't know if I should name drop them. I feel like if they're willing to uh, talk about us, then that's on them. But I want to, I want to respect, probably a little bit better, <laughs> I yeah. respect that. But um, yeah, we're, we're picking up steam, especially in that CPG space where replenishment is so, so crucial to the success of a brand. So um, I don't know the D to C space, especially the CPG space. Uh, it's a very tight knit group. So as soon as one person starts to see the value in it, um, they're going to start talking about it with their friends. And I feel like that's just what's made repeat what it is today is the community we're building. That's awesome. Have you had your uh, block party yet? I've been following your Twitter and seeing Kristen LaFrance, who is a friend of mine, just putting together what looks like an incredible party. Yeah. So that happened last weekend, actually, down in LA um, for second one we've done so far. So, so far they've only happened in LA, but uh, stay tuned. They're coming to, they're coming to other cities as well. But I think we had the uh, the coffin-shaped cooler filled with uh, liquid death. Unfortunately, I didn't make it out uh, to LA for it. I'm up in Canada, so a little bit harder for me to get there. But um, it was a great time. I was just talking to the team about it, and it sounds like everyone had a blast. That's fun. And then as a SaaS company, like investing in this space and in this community is such a smart move. And, and just the way you guys are doing it, even like I just seeing, you know, from this block party, bringing in all the products, all like, you know, the liquid death, the, all the, you know, the Olipop, I actually have that, that I'm always interested in the merging of the, uh, you know, direct to consumer space with this business to business space that we also find ourselves in. Cause we're also great customers. Look, that's what we're trying to do, right? Is we're trying to integrate those two worlds and our customer is the CPG space. So the more that we can integrate ourselves into that and basically operate like a CPG brand, the better we are. So if we can kind of become like the tasting room for CPG, like, hey, come display your products here. Like, let's get those out in front of more people. And not just for those big darlings you were talking about, like, yes, that's important. Everyone knows them. But if you can put like liquid death on the table with Olipop and some of those up and coming brands ends up being like a launch pad for them as well. Do you have any uh, personal favorite uh, D2C brands out there that you'd want to shout out? Uh, Big fan of Olipop. I love what they're doing from the community side of things. And just like, I don't know, I'm a big fan of brands where I feel like I can interface with a real person. So anyone who like a person is putting themselves out there, uh, Midday Squares is one of my favorites right now. If you're not following them on Instagram, you're missing out. It's basically reality TV. 
I was going through this with my wife the other day. I was explaining what was happening with their packaging because I was following this on LinkedIn and they're really taking like building in public to like a whole other level where you're literally watching like a reality television show about them going back and forth with their lawyers trying to figure out this packaging problem that they're having with with Reese peanut butter cups. And it's I, I was fully engrossed by it. It was very interesting. It's amazing. They're giving you like a full view into everything and like, I don't know, a different brand changes their packaging. I could give two shits if a brand changes their packaging. They change their packaging. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm so invested in this because I've seen the entire journey. I know why it's happening. I know why they're doing it. What a commitment to like walk around with a semi-pro film crew for, you know, for like a period of time while you're also trying to build a business. It's funny. I've done that a little bit having created this, this course that we're about to launch over the next little while. And uh, yeah, I think you just, you just throw, you got to throw yourself in there and you really, I think you have to put yourself out there and what Midday Squares company does so well is they put themselves out there like as a point and they do it very professionally. It's not just like a, it's not an afterthought. They're not doing it off the side of their desk. It's like a huge part of their marketing. Yeah. And like, they're not just showing you, I think the biggest part, if you're going to market like that, you can't, it can't feel like it's forced or staged. And I think that's the best part about what Midday Squares is doing it. Like, it's not just the three founders, like telling a story on camera. It's following them around the factory. Like everyone who works at Midday Squares is a part of the story and like, I don't know, the lore of it all. And it just feels so real. And that's what, that's what they're all about. Like that realness is what's driving it. Just having a camera around you doesn't mean that people are going to fall in love or be like resonate with you. It's how they're doing it. And they're also characters. It, you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess there's all sorts of different approach. You could have a low key approach, similar to how Drops and and the founder has kind of built himself into the into the ads there. And they they just have such flamboyant personalities. I feel like I've, I had Nick on the podcast. I have to get all three of them onto a future one because I think it could be could be out of control. It would be a wild time, an absolutely wild time. <laughs> We might get a cease and desist, which is the goal of all D2C podcasts. I don't think we've achieved that today here. Was there anything else that, you know, you wanted to chat about in terms of like this repeat business opportunity? The biggest thing for me is if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, hey, how do I focus on better retention? How do I focus on replenishment? I would just encourage you to look at your subscription business right now. I think way too many brands are trying to shortcut it. It's like, oh, I got purchase number one. Let's drop them into a subscription right away. Or even with a lot of brands, I think one of my biggest pet peeves is when I hit a site and they're defaulting me into a subscription. I'm like, I don't know anything about you yet. I don't know how good the product is. I don't know what the shipping experience is going to be like. So I think the biggest thing for me is like, think about that time between that first purchase and like when you're going to get them on subscription. There's a lot you can do in there and repeat can help you there. Take a long look there to see what you can do. It goes back to the Ryan Dice. I've seen Ryan Dice speak a few times and he loves to talk about his dating analogy and how he met his wife and how many times he had to go on dates with her before she'd ever consider, you know, going steady with him, let alone marrying him. And the same thing is true of, of the D2C sort of customer experience where it can be off-putting and it can be very daunting. Like the idea of subscription, like you say, like that vision of coffee bags, you know, filling up in your in your cupboards is something that really sticks with people. We already have to subscribe, or don't have to, but so many of us subscribe to so many different things for entertainment um, that we have little bits of guilt about, You know, whether it's the gym or whether it's these other things that, that maybe we don't do. Um, and so it's like your product kind of short circuits that a little bit, you know what I mean? 100%. What about, I, this is just totally random question. You're Canadian. I don't have many Canadians on the podcast. Do you care about hockey at all? So I break the stereotype. Everyone assumes that when I'm, I'm Canadian that I'm a big hockey person. So I'm actually a bat, like huge Raptors fan, basketball fan, and actually a, a soccer fan as well. But um, I, I I dabble in supporting the Leafs. Good good time to be on the fringes of supporting the Leafs right now. 
an exciting time for the Raptors with their their new rebuild is pretty exciting there with their their new like bigs strategy where they've got all bigs on the court at all times. I am 100% supporting this movement. It's not looking so good so far, but hey, it's going to take some time. But I love when people try to try to mix it up and to try to find something different. So if Masai and the Toronto Raptors want to try try to break basketball and find a new winning winning way, I will 100% support that, even if it's a little painful. <laughs> I love it. And if CPG founders out there want to find a new winning way uh, to get more repeat orders, they can go to getrepeat.io and check it out. Make sure you go check out a few card experiences, see what it's like, think about what you're offering, and think about whether it could be enhanced through this uh, this fun tool. Anyways, thanks for coming on today, man. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. If you're ready to access the proven performance marketing blueprint that scales your brand post iOS 14.5, if you're looking for the Facebook marketing system that's driven over $50 million in value for Pilot House's clients in just the last six months, then you are looking for Scale School, Facebook and Instagram ads made by D2C in partnership with Pilot House. You can go to d2cnews.link slash scale school right now to access the course for a discount this week only. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.